Uh, Jared let you all know about our family fest that we had here on Friday night. Was anybody here Friday night? A few people? It's great. What a great night. And I just want to thank I want to thank our children's ministry team from all of our campuses for the way that they led and organized that that event that evening. When you think of over 2,000 people in this atrium over a three-hour period, it needs to be organized and run well and safely. And only a few parents were lost uh, over the course of the evening. But uh, so thank you, our children's ministry team across all of our campuses for doing that. And. Um, and so I'll just need you to clap again in a moment, but thank, I want to thank all of the people who volunteered, who gave of their time and their energy and their Friday evening and their setting up and their tearing down. And I want to thank all of you who volunteered for, for just giving of your time and energy to serve kids, right, and parents and families. So can we thank those who volunteered as well? Thank you. So as you've already experienced, uh, this weekend is a special weekend where we have individuals being baptized. And over uh, the course of this weekend, at least five people will be baptized. And I say over five because there's a few more likely that will happen tonight at our night of worship service. And, and so I want, you, I want to let you know, though, that we're changing how we're doing baptisms here. We, as a leadership team of our central campus, we, we, uh, we evaluated and reflected about how many times we give the opportunity for people to be baptized, and we discovered that we only have done this in the past two or three times a year. And we feel like we want to make that available more often. And so moving forward, the first weekend of every month will be an opportunity for people to step into the waters of baptism declaring their faith in Jesus Christ. And so, if you've seen, like you saw baptism here earlier, um, this service, if you would like to be baptized, then in months from now, I challenge you to take that step of following Jesus in, in water baptism. And so we want to let you know about that. But as you think about baptism, it is sort of a unique, bit strange practice, isn't it? And you know what the reality is, we do things as followers of Jesus that sometimes are a bit... A bit difficult. Um, one of these things is communion. I mean, the word communion, right? How we don't use that word in society really almost anywhere. And then during communion, I mean, we hand out the smallest possible cup that we can find, right? And we give it to all of us. <laughs> Just the tiniest cup, that's a little bit unique and different. Uh, some of the words that we use as Christians are are unique, a tithe and offering and worship and baptism and communion and other words that we use that are, are really just unique and we, they have deep meaning for us, right, as followers of Jesus, but really no one else might have a clue what we're talking about. And um, there's other times that we read the Bible and we come across words that lead us into uncomfortable situations, uncomfortable conversations, and I think of this past week, just a few days ago on Wednesday night, when we um, had our grade seven uh, youth gathering. I am a volunteer there along with others, and we lead our grade seven youth, and so I co-lead a boys' table, grade seven boys, and we read this passage of scripture, and we'll talk about it a little bit later on in the message in the sermon today, but um, I want to read it now, and so just listen to this passage, these verses, as a grade seven boy, Okay. So, this is what we read. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. 
put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So far, so good, right? In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised. Barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. And when I was sitting around the table and we read and said this word circumcised, I thought, why are we reading this verse with grade seven boys? (laughs) How is this conversation going to go? I even prayed maybe a little bit, Lord, I don't want to talk about this right now with grade seven boys, please. And so we ended reading this verse and the co-leader asked a question and it appeared the conversation was going in a different direction and I thought, we might be out of the woods on this one, okay. And then one grade seven boy put up his hand and he said, what is circumcised mean? <laughs> and uh, I said, Lord, how do we, why do we do this? And then the other co-leader said, you know what, you should talk to your dad about that later on. <laughs> and <laughs> sometimes words show up in the Bible, right? But back to my point, I mean, baptism is a unique act that we participate in. And no one on the best of times likes to be submerged underwater by someone else, especially fully clothed. And one of the values we have around baptism, it happens in community. And so you've got all of these people watching you and cheering for you as well, right? And celebrating you with you, which is awesome. And then one of the things we do in baptism is We ask people to do the most frightening thing ever known to humankind, which is public speaking. And, you know, at least, at the minimum, we ask people just a couple of questions. Because public speaking is a very real fear. But we do encourage people to share just a little bit about their spiritual journey with Jesus. All of this to say, right, baptism. Why do we baptize? Why do we baptize people? And we need to understand why God would want his followers to participate in this act. We need to understand that. I mean, for one, Jesus commanded us to be baptized. Jesus left his disciples with this command right before he ascended back into heaven. I mean, he said to his disciples, go, uh, make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, God doesn't ask us to do things for frivolous or meaningless reasons. God doesn't ask us to do things simply out of ritual act. Instead, God does everything for our best interest. Everything God does is for our healing. Everything God does and asks us to do is motivated by his love towards us. Everything God tells us to do, everything that God invites us into has purpose, has meaning, has intentionality behind it. And so then we have to conclude that baptism has some intrinsic value for us. There must be something about baptism that impacts us profoundly and in a very deep way. There must be something about baptism that moves us and changes us to be the kinds of people that God had in mind that we would be as human beings. So let's look at Mark chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 1. We see the account here of Jesus being baptized. And what's interesting is that Jesus goes to see his cousin, John the Baptist. What a great name for someone who baptizes people, right? John the Baptist. And John was preaching and teaching. We read here a message of repentance. John was teaching all those who would listen, saying, you're not living according to God's ways. You're not living your lives according to how God designed us as human beings, humankind to live. 
So John was preaching and saying, change your ways, confess your sin, acknowledge your brokenness, receive forgiveness from God, and be baptized. That's what John was preaching, but he also had an additional message that he was proclaiming, and it's this. John's additional message was, after me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What's a bit confusing here is we see baptism used in sort of two different ways. Baptism sometimes refers to just a simple human act, a human visible expression, a human action that John refers to when he says, I baptize you with water. That's simply what's happening here. But baptism is also used to define an invisible spiritual change, a spiritual transaction, a spiritual reality. And John says this when he, he, he means this when he says that someone is coming, someone else is coming, referring to Jesus Christ, who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. See, there's two aspects to baptism. A human visible action that signifies an invisible spiritual reality. The word baptism simply means to immerse, to plunge into, be, to be surrounded by water. And baptism is a choice that each and every individual makes. You choose to be baptized. You step into, as Erwin McManus calls, a water grave. I love that, that, that word, a water grave. That's what you step into. You step into, you're plunged, submersed under water, surrounded by water, and then you come up out of the water. This is the human act of baptism. But it signifies an invisible spiritual reality. And this invisible spiritual reality is this. That in the act of baptism, you are confessing that at one point in your life, you lived your life apart from God. At one point in your life, you didn't know God, you didn't care about God, you might not even have, have been interested in God at all. That happened at one point in your life. But at another point in your life, you stepped into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you surrendered your life to him as your Lord and as your Savior, forgiveness of your sins. And in that surrendering, you identify yourself as one crucified with Jesus Christ on the cross. You you identify with Jesus' death. And you also identify with his resurrection power that because Jesus Christ was raised from from the dead, you too will have a brand new life. This, in essence, is the invisible spiritual reality that change that takes place in a person's life that baptism signifies. I mean, Romans 6, Paul says uh, this in Romans 6. When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, You are united with Jesus in his death and also in his resurrection. Paul says this, Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. The key words here, in order that, in order that. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We too may live a new life. 
Have you ever wanted to redo a conversation you had? Sort of just like rewind the tape, have the conversation over again. Maybe you said something dumb, you said something you wish you didn't, but have you ever had to want to redo for a conversation, a do-over to a conversation? I have, just a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago, I had two of these conversations. Um, my son, oldest son, is turning 13 later on this week, and so we are planning sort of an extra special birthday party for him. And we organized with my parents that they would come up here to Calgary and surprise him on his birthday, for his birthday. And so um, I was driving with my son one night, and I was so excited about his birthday, I, <laughs> I wrecked this surprise. I ruined this surprise. The words just came out of my mouth. I was saying, this is going to happen, and this and this, and mom and dad are going to come. And as soon as I said these words, I was like, oh, no, I want to rewind this conversation again. I just ruined this surprise. And then I went, and then I, a couple days later, I talked with Nadine and was talking to her, and I said, you know what, Nadine, I ruined this surprise, this conversation, and I wish I could redo that conversation as well and just have a do-over on that one. Um, but we all wish that we could have a do-over, right? A do-over of a conversation. A do-over of a day. Where on that day, we made some terrible decisions. We, we said things. We did things. We want to redo that day. Maybe some of you, these days that you have, that you want to redo, are connected together, stacked together, and it becomes even a whole month that you want to do over. Or maybe these days connect into a month and they become a year and you want to do over this year of your life or this decade of your life. Or maybe even you want to do your whole life over again because of the way you've lived. You desperately want a do-over in life. I wish I could have a new life. I would not have lived this way. I want a do-over. But that's not possible it's not possible, except here, except here with what Paul says here in Romans chapter 6, except here Paul says that God, through his dynamic, incredible power, raised his son back to life in order that, in order that what? in order that you may have a brand new life. A brand new life. Do you hear what Paul is saying here? God makes it possible for us to do life over again. He makes it possible, yes. What a remarkable, miraculous reality. Have a new life. You can do your life over. You can do your life over. You can have a brand new life in Jesus Christ. Meaning that no matter where you have come from, no matter what you have done, no matter how much you feel like you are a lost cause, no matter the brokenness that you feel on the inside, no matter the brokenness that your actions have caused and hurt others, no matter the sin in your life, no matter the failures in your life, no matter how much you feel like you've just blown away your life, no matter if you've hit rock bottom once again and you promised yourself you would not hit rock bottom again, but you've hit rock bottom again, no matter how many times you've hit rock bottom, no matter if you have done the thing that you thought you would never do, I would never do that, but you've done that, 
Nothing, 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 nothing can keep you from a new life that is available to you in Jesus Christ. Nothing, nothing. God loves you so much that he caused, he sent his son to die so that you and I, you and I, all of the stuff that we've done, that we regret, that we wish we hadn't done or said, cannot, will not be held against us. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing will be held against us. And the beautiful reality is that we can walk free. We can walk free away from our sin, our failures, our mistakes, our jealousy, our envy, our anger, our hurtful words. We can walk away from our sin and step into a brand new life. A brand new life because of what Jesus Christ has done. But, but we need to choose this life. We need to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, receive him as our Lord and Savior, and, and then be baptized. Be baptized as the visible act, the visible expression of this invisible spiritual reality that's taken place in our lives, this new life that we've received because of Jesus Christ. And stepping into the water a baptism just tells everybody it's a beautiful message, a beautiful proclamation and de declaration that you are leaving your past behind. In fact, you are dying to your old life. You're dying to all that was before. You're dying to that. You've received forgiveness of your sin and you're stepping into a new life And the water. The water is a beautiful picture right in front of us. So you go down into the water and you come up out of the water. The water just washes away all of what was behind you, all of what is in the past, and you're clean. What an incredible, visible act baptism is of this invisible, spiritual truth, change, transformation that takes place in our lives. And all of this we receive from God. We receive a new life from God in Jesus Christ. We receive a new love from God in Jesus Christ. And we have done nothing, 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 nothing to deserve it. Let's read these words together from Ephesians 4. But because of his great love for us, read this with me, God who was rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. What an incredible gift we can receive. We have received a brand new do-over in life. Each and every baptism that you see is a visible sign, a visible sign of how amazing Jesus Christ and God is that we have a new life. God makes it possible for a do-over in life. Jesus makes us new, brand new. But you see, you can't have a new life 
without a new identity. Baptism is all about declaring a new life in Jesus Christ. And also, baptism is all about a new identity in Jesus Christ. The definition of identity, one of them is this. Identity is the condition of being one's self and not another. Now, this might be pretty obvious and self-explanatory. It's being oneself and not another. But get this. Sometimes we say this. We say, well, I'm not myself today. Don't we say that sometimes? I'm not myself today. Well, if you're not yourself, then who are you? Who are you being if you're not yourself? But this is the question, isn't it? Who are you? Who are you? Identity is also defined as the quality of being the same, remaining the same person, the same individual, under varying conditions. Under varying conditions. The idea here is that your identity consistently reflects who you really are over time, and your identity consistently reflects who you are under varying conditions and places and stress factors and and what you experience in life, that you are the same. You're the same person on a platform. You're the same person at work. You're the same person with your spouse. You're the same with your friends. You're the same when you're doing your hobbies and whatever leisure activities you do. You're the same when you're all alone. You're the same when you're at at a party. That you remain the same quality of individual. Who you are is the same. The same everywhere you go. If this describes you, If you are the same person everywhere you go, then your identity is integrated into all aspects of your life, all aspects of your life, and your life has integrity. Your life has integrity because you're the same person everywhere you are. Every place that you are, every situation you are, you're the same person. You know who you are. You know your identity. But how do you know who you are? How do you identify yourself. What is your identification, we could ask? Makes me think of a driver's license or a passport or a birth certificate. Identification is different than your identity. Identification is a means of labeling. Sometimes we take on labels that other people give us. I know of a gentleman who, he, um, when he was a young boy, his parents were having a disagreement, an argument, a fight. And he was in the room and one of his parents turned to him and said, you are the problem. You are the problem. You see, what what an incredibly false label that was spoken over this young boy's life. And he, as a dad, struggled with this label, shaking it off. Sometimes we take on labels that people give us Sometimes we give ourselves labels to make others like us, be pleased with us, see value in us. Sometimes we are who others want us to be, and we become a different person. Sometimes we try to be someone so that others will accept us into their world, into their sphere of influence, into their lives, and we take on these labels as a way to find ourselves We take on these labels to discover who we are at times. We take on these labels to construct our identities, perhaps even to to construct a new identity because we don't like who we are. So we try to be someone else. 
And if we're not careful, we're someone else at home, we're someone else at work, we're someone else in so many different places. And what happens is we become fragmented in our identity. In fact, we become many selves, many identities. And when that happens, that produces anxiety in us. It produces chaos in our interior lives because we have to manage so many different versions of ourselves. And the reality is we don't know who we are. We have so many labels. We can live fragmented lives. And you can only have integrity in your life when you know who you are in your identity. One of the labels that we all carry with us is the answer to the question, so what do you do? When I meet someone new and I'm asked this question, I'm conflicted at times. Because... In my experience, when I say, well, I'm a pastor, um, sometimes some people will have an idea of what that means, and, or they'll know what a pastor does, and then we have a conversation about what I do. And other times, people may have had a, a bad experience with a church, and so when I say I'm a pastor, that just sort of ends the conversation right there. And they're not being rude in any way, they just don't have a desire to carry on the conversation. Um, other times, people may not know what a pastor is. So sometimes I'll say, I'm a pastor, and if they don't really know what that means, I'll say, well, I'm a minister. And, and sometimes then even I get this question back, well, is that like a priest? Are you kind of like a priest? And I say, well, you know, sort of, sort of like being a priest. Um, a couple of summers ago, I was fishing with two individuals, and I didn't really know who they were. Who they were. I knew, connected with them through someone else, and so we were fishing for the day, and um, one of the individuals I was fishing with boy, had a, a pretty foul language, right? Just bad, terrible language. And um, as the day went on, I sort of started to get kind of excited for him to ask me what I did. And, um, <laughs> and so the day went on, and, and finally then it came around, and he said, so what do you do? And I leaned into him and I said, you know what, well, I am a representative of God here on earth. No, I didn't say that. That would have been, that would have been funny. But I just said to him, I'm a pastor. And he sort of knew what a pastor did. And we had a conversation about that. But you know, his language cleaned up right after that conversation. Just cleaned right up. But at times, see, at times we carry labels with us. Pastor. Accountant, husband, wife, student, youth, senior, married, single, conservative, liberal, Canadian, Calgarian, I mean, and on and on and on and on these labels. And while these labels are helpful, you see, they are not, nor can they be, the source of our identity. They can't be the source of our identity. They were never meant to be the source of our identity. They can't hold up the weight of our identity of who we are as human beings. Look at what Paul says in Colossians, and we read this already. But don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, 
Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. What's Paul saying here? Paul's saying, put off your old life. Put off who you used to be. That's not who you are anymore. That's your old version of you. Put that off. Put on your new life. And as you learn to know God, you will become like him. Paul says, in your new life, your labels don't matter. In fact, Paul says, your old labels of Jew and Gentile, slave, free, whatever the labels are in your life, these are false labels. They're false. They're not sufficient to define who you are. They're not your core identity. While they do identify you in some way, they don't define who you are. They are not your identity. Christ living in you is all that matters. That's all that matters in defining who you are now. Christ defines you. He lives in you. And what Paul says here is so profound. Paul says you must learn. You must learn to know your creator. Learn to know God. He says you'll be renewed. What Paul is saying here is you learn to know God better. Know your creator better. You will then know yourself. You'll know who he's created you to be because he created you. Paul's saying here is look to God for your identity. And you'll become more and more like him because you're created in his image. Look to God. Look to your creator to see who you are. Look to Jesus to see who you are. And we read elsewhere in scripture that the Holy Spirit is the one living inside of us who testifies who we are. Who we are. All of this because Jesus has given you a new life and a new identity. You see, baptism is all about, all about declaring you've got a new life. It's all about declaring that you are a, you have a new identity. If we go back to Mark chapter 1, where we started, reading at verse 9 here, we read this, that at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. And was baptized by John in the Jordan. And as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. I wonder what that looked like. Heaven being torn open. And the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. You see the profound reality of what's happening here? The moment Jesus comes up out of the water, God declares Jesus' identity. And the Holy Spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove. God declares Jesus' identity, and God wants to declare your identity. He wants to do the exact same thing to you over your life. God calls you his son, his daughter. He says over you, I love you. He says over you in your life, I am well pleased with you. You see, when you enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you don't have to wonder who you are anymore. You don't have to wonder where you came from. You know who created you. You know who formed you in your mother's womb. You know who made you. You don't have to wonder about your future anymore because God has that all under control. You don't have to wonder if you have value. 
You don't have to wonder if you are loved. You don't have to wonder if someone is proud of you. You don't have to wonder if someone is pleased with you. You don't have to wonder anymore about your identity. You know who you are when you enter a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't have to search for any identity. You don't have to search and construct any identity with labels, labels that you have placed on yourself. And frankly, some of us need to let go of those labels and find freedom from them. We need to find freedom from labels other people have placed on our lives because they're not true. But there's the opportunity to know your identity because the one who's created you, who formed you, has declared your identity over your life. That you are a son. You are a daughter. You are a child of the king. You are loved. God is pleased with you. And baptism is a visible act of an invisible reality in our lives that we have a new life in Jesus Christ, that we have a brand new identity in Jesus Christ. See, baptism isn't so much about you. It's so much about what Jesus Christ has done for you. For you. Look at how Paul describes what takes place in us. This invisible spiritual, spiritual reality which baptism signifies Listen, look at what Paul says here in Galatians chapter 2. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Listen to this. I no longer live. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith. I live by faith in the Son of God. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me gave himself for me. What a mysterious truth here. I no longer live. Who I am now is not who I was. I am a different person. A different person. I've identified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. The life I live now in this physical body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, you can't take up a new life though. You can't take up this new life in Jesus Christ until you let go of the old life. You can't have two lives. You have to let go of what was. Let go of the past. Let go of your old life. Die to your old life. Die to your sin. Die to your selfishness. Die to your pride. Die to your jealousy. Die to your anger. Die to everything that's before you, that's come before and you have to let go of that old life in order to receive this new life. It's the exact same thing. You can't receive a new identity from God without letting go of your old identity. Because you ha can't have two identities. You're a fractured person, a fragmented life. And so you have to let go of your old identity. You have to let go of those things that you found security in, safety in, pleasure in, things that defined your life, things that maybe you'd love to hold on to, that brought definition, that brought security, safety, fame, position, power, whatever it is, and you have to let go of that and then receive a new identity. And we can't do that 
until we let go of the old. You have to die. You and I have to die. Identify with Jesus Christ and his death. Die to the old. We have to be able to say, I've been crucified with Christ. I've died with him. And I've also been raised back to life with him. And I've died to him because I've surrendered my life to him in Jesus Christ. You see, baptism really is choosing your own death. It really is. It's the human act of choosing your own death and saying, I am dying in a very visible, real, out loud way for everybody to see I'm dying to myself. But the internal, invisible, spiritual truth is that you're dying internally to your old life. You're dying to your old way of life. You're dying to your old identity. And what happens is you come alive You come alive in a way in which you have never been alive before. You've never experienced it before. You come alive in a brand new whole way, which is why Paul can say, the life I live now in this body is brand new. Is brand new. And that's the gift I've received. See, some of you here this morning Some of you perhaps are searching for something. For something, and you can't put your finger on it. But you know you're searching for something because of a restlessness that you feel inside of you. And this restlessness shows up perhaps when you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't seem to sleep. And you just have things going around in your mind. Things going around in your mind. You're restless. Or sometimes this restlessness shows up when you're just about to fall asleep. And you have a thought in your mind and you can't let go of it. And you just, something's missing. Something's missing. Or maybe even when you're just about to wake up before your alarm goes off. You know, and you're just in that middle of waking up. And you're restless. You're anxious. You're afraid. You're fearful. And you can't quite put your finger on why. But it doesn't go away. You might feel empty inside. You might feel lost. You know something's missing in your life. And really, you're searching for something. And what I believe you might be searching for is a brand new life. Because the life that you've been living You've been trying to make work. You've been really trying hard to make it work. You've been trying to find fulfillment. You've been trying to find joy. You've been trying to find purpose. You've been trying to get help. And you've been trying to work harder. You've been trying to achieve more. You've been trying to be promoted. You've been trying to learn more. You've been going to counseling. You've been trying to read different books. You've been trying to make this life work. But it's not. It's not working for you. And so you're searching for something more. You're you're searching for something just over the horizon. And you hope it's coming. And I believe what you're searching for is a brand new life. A brand new do-over in life. problem is you've been trying to live life your way and what you need to do is you you need to let go of your life you need to give your life to Jesus and what you need to do is just 
Give him the reality of your life just the way it is. Don't try and fix it up. Don't try and polish it up. Just say, here is my life. I can't make it work, Jesus. And give me a new life. Give me a fresh start. Give me a do-over. I need a do-over with you. You need to give your life away and receive a new life. Maybe some of you are searching for identity. You're tired. In fact, you're exhausted. You're exhausted from trying to live up to your own labels that you've placed on your life. And you've been trying to live up to the labels other people expect of you. And if you're honest, you are worn out. You're exhausted. You're emotionally depleted. You feel dry on the inside. You feel like a desert on the inside. And you're done. You're done trying to figure out who you are and live into whatever identity you feel you need to live in. And these labels have covered up who you are, but really you don't even know who you are. And to hear that really even spoken out loud scares you. Because you don't know who you are. You've been trying to be so many things. You don't know who you are. The labels have hidden the real problem, and the problem is your soul. You've got an empty, hollow soul inside. It's time, it's time for a change. It's time for a new identity. It's time for a new life. It's time for a new start. And this morning you can look into the eyes of your creator and have him declare the truth about who you are over you. This morning you can see yourself the way that God sees you as a child of his, as one who is loved, who he's pleased with. I trust that God has been speaking to you by his spirit. I just want us to move to a time of prayer right now. So let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. and Holy Spirit, we trust you've been speaking. So we want to listen to you now, Holy Spirit. Speak. Speak to us. What are you saying to us? What are you saying to us and what do you want us to do? continuing with an attitude of prayer here with eyes closed and head bowed if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus with your life if you're here and you know you need a do-over in your life if what I was just sharing about a new life a new identity you know you know you need Jesus it's just so clear but you don't know how to start I want to pray for you right now and I'd love for if you would just raise your hand up high, way up high, so I can see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Yeah, I see your hand. Yeah, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Yeah. 
want to pray for you right now. I see you. I want to pray for you. So Father, every single person who raised their hand in this room, I pray that you would help them know that you love them so much. May they sense your love right now, be overwhelmed with your love, your grace in their life, your forgiveness in their life, and help them to to walk in this new life that you made possible, Jesus. For all of you who raised your hands, if you would like to right now, you can pray, just a short, simple prayer. You can put your hands down, thank you. You can pray right now a short, simple prayer, just something like this. Say, Jesus, I believe you are God's son. Jesus, I believe that you died for my wrongdoing. I receive forgiveness of my sin. I confess my sin to you. I surrender my life to you. Take my life. Lead me. Thank you for a new life that I have in you. Just that short, simple prayer is a declaration of your need. Acknowledging the truth of what Jesus Christ has done. And you've stepped into a new life. Now there's so much more, but that's a start. For others of you in this room, maybe it's time for you to step out of the shadows, to step out and be baptized and make this visible declaration of what Jesus Christ has done in you. Maybe you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior months ago, a year ago, decades ago, but you've never been baptized. I want to invite you to step out and be baptized. Make this visible declaration. And if you would like to be baptized, I want to pray for you. Like I said, in a month, we're going to have baptisms again. Would you just raise your hands high? Raise your hands high. See your hand. I want to pray for you. In a month from now, baptisms are taking place again. I see your hand. Yeah, I see your hand. Awesome. I want to pray for you. Jesus, for those who raised their hands, thank you for their obedience to what you commanded us to do thousands of years ago. God, with this decision they've made today, may they sense in a brand new, fresh way the new life that you have given them in the past, their new identity that you have given them. And they, may they step more fully into their authority as your son and your daughter. May they step more fully into their identity so that nothing will shake and cause them to wonder about who they are, but they would walk confidently in their life, bringing glory and honor to you, Jesus. And now for all of us, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance, his glory upon you. May the Holy Spirit guide you in everything you do and everything you say to bring honor and glory to God our Father, Jesus our Savior, the Holy Spirit our counselor and friend. And we ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You know, if you raised your hands, would love to talk with you. Our prayer partners will be up front. If you made a declaration to step into new life with Jesus Christ, we want to walk with you in your discipleship journey. And so we'll be up at the front. would love to pray with you or connect at our connect tables in the atrium. God bless you, church. Have a great week.